0: In today's episode, we have Ilana Walker with Ilana Walker Events coming in and dropping some amazing knowledge about pricing. You guys, I know this is something that a lot of us struggle with, and it's really hard to figure out, and there's a lot of stress that surrounds this. so I highly encourage you grab your notepad, grab a pen, and get ready to take some notes because she is dropping some awesome knowledge on
1: us. We are gathered here today to bring together the wedding community. Whether you are a seasoned pro, a newbie planning to start your own wedding business, or an engaged couple hoping to see behind the scenes, we're here to share tips, tricks, and laughs with you as we talk weddings. The Union Podcast is a show that aims to build a community for those in the wedding planning trenches. Join Jamie Wolfer, Heather Larie Fear, and special guests in roundtable discussions about the challenges and joys of the wedding business. And now, here come your hosts, Jamie and Heather.
2: You guys, today we have a treat. We have a nationally celebrated wedding planner. I feel like we have royalty today. Ilana, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so honored (laughs) to be here. You're in a position, most of our listeners are probably not, they're probably not gracing like the top lists for very well-known industry magazines. So they have a bit of a different perspective than you, but I think your perspective having moved through all the ranks is so valuable. So today we wanted to pick your brain about pricing and kind of the services and offerings you've, you've rolled out at different points in your career. Are you game to talk about all that? I'm totally game. Let's do it. All right, well, let's just start from the beginning then. If someone is just starting in this business, where do you think they should start in sorting out what offerings and pricing they should roll out like what's step one to to nail that
3: down? So you know, education is always key, you know, whether it is finding a mentor, you know purchasing a course, whatever, because I don't know if People who just woke up one day and said, hey, I want to be a wedding planner or someone who planned their own wedding truly knows exactly the services to offer. Because there's a, there's just a different perspective when you are servicing someone versus just planning it for yourself or for your child or what have you. So it really helps to reach out to someone who is an expert to learn what are these brides looking for as far as services are concerned getting started you know I think I think once you you know have a full perspective of like every service that you could possibly offer someone which I'm sure that that's you know a never-ending pot you you kind of have to build your services based on what can you charge in your particular market in combination with what services that you want to offer to where you're not overworking yourself or undervaluing, you know, not providing enough for the quality, you know, for the price that that you're charging. Yeah, that's always the balance there.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Right now we have this uh, mentorship program that we're doing. We've got about 30 or so newbie wedding planners just getting started that we rolled out this program. And it's been amazing so far, but I know a lot of them are still stuck on the pricing thing because – Because it's hard. And it's hard to not attach your self-worth to what you're charging. Am I worth that much? And so I agree. I think finding someone else who has done this before has has paved the way a little bit. Gleaning a little bit of their education and making it a part of your own is such a great place to start because it removes the responsibility of you assigning your own worth to the number that you're charging that's right that's
3: right yeah yeah and i mean a long time ago of course i looked at other people's websites to see what other people were you know um how they were structuring their wording and things of that nature so i i i'm i don't think that that's bad to you know as, as a newbie to look and see what other planners are are doing oh, because yeah. as a as a as a professional and as an expert there's a certain minimum that i want these newbies to at least be at so that way it's not completely, you know, out of control, you know, and if they don't feel comfortable reaching out or they don't know who to reach out to or whatever their reasons may be, if they can go and at least see, okay, these are some of the services that we should be offering, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. Yeah. Just don't copy somebody's website word for word. Right. Precisely. <laughs> I, I think, I think we've all done that. Like
0: I've 100% stalked other wedding planners' websites to be like, oh, I like that layout. Or, oh, that's that seems really genuine. Or, oh, I don't know if I want mine to look like that or feel like that. So I think that's, I mean, to this day, like I'm looking at your website right before we got started. I'm like, holy smokes, we're in the real middle of a rebrand. It's about to launch for my company. And I'm like, do you think maybe we could fix some stuff so it can look like hers? Because this is delicious.
2: Your
3: website is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Um, so you are a mentor and leader in this industry, which is, I. we're just, again, so honored to have you here. Where do you see wedding planners making missteps with their pricing most often? Man,
3: you know what? This is a conversation that I've had on the, t- like that I've been having all week long. Well, first of all, one misstep is new planners listening to more experienced planners tell them what they should charge in their market, and it's just a blanket concept like, oh, well, you should charge at minimum $10,000. Like, that's what we're worth, da, da 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 da. That's what it may be worth in Chicago or, you know, somewhere like that. But, but you really, I think the big misstep is you have to know what it's valued in your market. So that way you can work and let's be honest and realistic. Like, yeah, like we really hope to be able to get to the point where we're really, you know, making what we feel is good, but we also have to, we to, we also have to start somewhere and we also have to consider what our market looks like. If you're, if you're in a market where there's only like three venues and you know, no, it's, it's rural. Like there may not be a lot of weddings happening in that market and you can't really charge that $8,500 that you, that you feel like you may be worth. And so you kind of have to make a decision of either lowering your price to it, what is in that market or marketing yourself to other markets, you know, out, outside of that, whether you have to travel an hour or how, however far that you may have to travel to get, to make that money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great way of looking at it actually because if you are in an area where the market isn't paying what you'd like to be paid then create yourself a new market in a new place because you can travel for those things and have travel expenses covered yeah absolutely
3: yeah one of the other places that is that we we often find ourselves leaving money on the table this is one of the conversations that I've been having with some of the wedding pros that that I connect really well with Desiree dent um, Kia you know people out just every honestly everywhere is that, um, you know, when you charge flat rate, right. You're not necessary like you're not cushioning yourself for what may come. So for instance, like if you just say, okay, my rate is $7,000. Well, and you may have in your mind, okay, well, $7,000 covers, you know, a, a DJ, a catering a photographer, videographer and the venue and, rentals and florists and that's that. And it's something really simple. But if that DJ turns into a band and then that and then they add on a string quartet for the ceremony and then they have a dance floor wrap in addition to the rentals and you know a bunch of other vendors that are that need coordinating and you know conceptualizing and all that kind of stuff, that's more work. That's a lot more work. And we should get paid for that. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's where money gets left on the table. But then Sean Lowe just came out with an article that really made sense where it was like, okay, I hear you charging, you know, a percentage rate, but how does that protect you when that client has planned this, you know, really, you know, you've, you've designed this really elaborate design And now, you know, your, your price is at this, but then six months into the process, they decide, well, you know what? We want to redesign this whole thing and we want to save half, and we want to do it at half the price. So now you have to redesign in a shorter period of time and you're going to get less money. Hmm. So now what, what do you do? And so I've been, I, that's something I've been like wrecking my brain this, this whole week about is how do I catch these clients? You know, because clients will call you, they'll tell you their budget is $20,000 less than what it really is because they don't, you know, they don't want to tell you up front or they just may not know how much a wedding costs. And based on that, how do we protect ourselves against that? Pricing is challenging, y'all. Yeah. I know mean, for some people,
0: like they just get... It's, it's hard to even know where to get started. So could you speak to that a little bit? How did you know where to start with your pricing? Cause I know for me, like I just hunted websites until I found a couple coordinators in the area who had pricing listed and I almost like closed my eyes and put my finger down on one of them. And I was like that
3: cool. Let's start with that. How did you get started with yours? So I I kind of did that too. You know, um, my very first wedding, I charged $1,500 for full planning, which I, i i I thought I was doing some big things then you know <laughs> yeah. um, and that was that was eleven years ago, so you know the market wasn't what it was eleven years ago, but because i I did a lot of research and I took a course, and the course said you should charge fifteen percent, well, the client's budget obviously wasn't that much, and that's what I thought I should make, so you know, I took a course that gave me a percentage um but then after that. I started to develop relationships with other planners, not only not in my market, but in other markets as well to give me a better idea that like in general, pricing is around this much for full planning. And then, you know, the concept of, Oh, well, there's also partial planning you can do and and it could be this much. And then there's coordination services and then it could be this much. So I definitely reached out um, to people and just tried to build relationships, you know, joining different associations and stuff and building relationships with more experienced people, especially people that may be on their way out,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: you know, and they, they really helped to sow the seed of, of, of that information in me. That
2: makes sense. That's a smart thing. The networking is so powerful. Now for those who are, started in their business, things are going pretty well. When should they consider maybe changing their pricing model? Or do you think it's more of a, um, something they should aim to escalate like the higher end weddings? Like how,
3: how do you normally see that progress for people? Well, for me, when I was able to book like a large number of weddings, that's when I was like, Oh, my price is too low. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, because because let's face it like like it's very hard to push out 40-50 weddings a year as you know a, one person and you know talking starting out so if your prices is that is like if if clients can book like this like you get on the phone with them and they say yeah okay let's book now it's almost like you're not charging enough hmm. you're definitely not charging enough um so i really feel that I, I think that yearly you should assess how much you charge. I really do. And I think you should, you should go up. Um, I don't know what the rule is actually on how much you should go up, but, <laughs> but I, I tend to go up like a couple hundred dollars to $500 each year just to express, you, you know what I mean? Just yeah. to, yeah. Cause you, yeah, de- just, you deserve a raise. yeah so, I, mean, I mean, giving <laughs> yourself a raise every year. And here's the other thing that I want people to know is if you are noticing that you're booking these people super easy. The last 10 people booked you with no question, up your rate right Mm, then and there. Wow. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Yeah. You can you can reassess at that point, you know, in that year point and see, okay, after after three months, I've booked 10 weddings and then I increased to this. And then after you know, you know what I mean? You can you can see where the pattern is leading you. So you definitely need to you know keep good notes and take you know accurate records of how you're increasing and how clients are attracting in in your booking rate like once you once you get to a point where people are starting to like okay you know we're gonna see somebody else or whatever maybe maybe then start assessing yeah I actually had a conversation with a good friend of mine
0: he's a wedding videographer and we've had him on the podcast before and basically he's like I test the market with pricing all the time and that blew my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I'll test out a new price point and I'll see how that works or I'll put out a new package and he is very analytical. That, that dude probably has spreadsheets of when pricing was successful and how many events they booked. I mean, I guarantee you if he doesn't, then he's got like a crazed notepad hidden underneath his mattress somewhere. That's how yeah. attentive he is to that. But I think so many times we, again, with that self-worth of like, What Maybe we shouldn't move it, or I don't know. We are in control of our pricing. We can change it at any point in time to test the waters. You could add an additional $5,000 on there, make your website look super fancy, and who knows? You might be breaking into a new space. Right. But I think what we tend to run into is that imposter syndrome. Yes. Feeling of like, I am not worthy. So have you seen or perhaps even experienced imposter syndrome with these kinds of things? And how do you think planners working on this issue ensure they don't undervalue themselves? Because it's such a tricky thing.
3: Right. Well, first and foremost, just know as a wedding planner, as a professional wedding planner, someone who has you know, consistently done research for an extended period of time, invested in courses and mentorships and things of that nature, you know more than your bride. And that's what makes you more valuable than them. If they know more, more than you, then they can do it themselves. So you are worth it. You're going to be doing all the work. You're going to be on the phone with them. You're going to be, you know, your weekends are going to be taken up. What is it? You know, it's, it. you have to charge what you're worth. What you feel like is worth giving up your weekends and partly your sanity. <laughs> <Uncertainty>. Yes. <laughs> be honest. Let's just be honest. Partly your sanity to work with them. So you have to i think the i think the major key is just knowing that you know more than them
0: yeah and they wouldn't be hiring you if they didn't need your knowledge if they didn't need your skill set you are fitting a need
3: that they want to pay for that service that's right that's that's absolutely correct yeah yeah and 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 you should get paid for it We
0: interrupt this podcast because there is something extremely special that I want to share with you guys. I don't know about you, but for the last, who knows how many years, I have been using a Frankensteined, Googled, copied and pasted contract. And while that is extremely embarrassing to admit to all of our listeners, I know that there are people out there who feel the same as I do. And there were a couple things that kept me from actually getting an attorney drafted contract. Actually, no, there was one thing, it was so expensive and it seemed so out of reach. That's when I learned about Legally Set. You see, Coon with Legally Set has created industry-specific contracts for people like you and me working in the wedding industry. They're easy to customize. They're drafted by an actual attorney and not Googled. Can you imagine that? And last but not least, they are so extremely affordable. So if you were like me and maybe using a less than appropriate and or legal contract, it's time to step up your game. You have no more excuses. Head on over to theunionpodcast.com slash legally set to check them out.
2: What tips do you have for someone who's like, OK, I know I'm worth this. This, this price point makes sense in my region but they're nervous on how to express the value they're providing to a couple. Like when they're on the sales call or meeting with them in person, how can they better express the intangible value that a wedding planner brings that, you know, is beyond the, the things on that checklist?
3: Well, first you have to, you have to figure out and develop what your experience is going to be like, like the client experience. Okay. What are you going to provide to them? You know, what level of peace of mind are you going to provide? How are you going to make their life so much easier? How are you going to make this process so much easier? How are you going to make this process fun for them? You know, these are things that you need to figure out before you get in front of a client to sell yourself, because that's what you're doing. You're selling an experience. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. It's just there. And you have to be able to explain This is how I'm going to make this process amazing for you. And you've got to lay it out. You have to lay it out. And that's, I think, how you sell. That's how you sell it to them. Because everybody offers consulting. Everybody offers vendor referral to review contracts and, you know, possibly even design their wedding and direct the wedding day. Everybody offers that. But what is it about you specific that you're going to do for them that maybe some other people are not? Yes.
0: I like, I like touching on that because we're kind of an emotional buy as a wedding planner.
3: Yeah. We're an we emotional
0: buy. We
3: are a luxury. Yeah. And we see the
0: value in what we do because we do it every single day. We know there's so much work that we do on a wedding day or to behind the scenes or to get everything prepped. But for a bunch of our clients, we are an emotional buy. So you could talk about your packages till the cows come home. But if you're not talking about how you're going to change their emotional experience, then perhaps you're not
3: selling yourself correctly. That's correct. That's correct. And, And they're also buying into you as a person. You know, I tell people... You know, if if you don't, if you just have a website and on your about us page, there's no picture of you. It's this generic bio and things of that nature. People are not going to buy that. These people are spending a lot of money into you. And it's almost as if they're buying their best best friend for the next 12 months. Okay. So they want to know what you look like. They want to size you up. They want to know where you went to school. They want to know what TV shows you watch. They want to know how they're going to bond with you outside of the wedding stuff. And then they want to know what experience you have, how you're going to make things easy, all of that kind of stuff. So you have to balance like the professional side of you and the personal side of you and have it mesh and marry together to offer that to to let them know that this is what makes my services unique. Cause that's what they're gonna buy. They're gonna buy your services and they're gonna buy you. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna buy the experience and they're gonna buy you. Yeah, absolutely. I say this all the time and it's super cheesy, but people do business
0: with people. You're going to be a lot more likely to book with a wedding planner whose bio you thought was funny or who you connected with because you also love Grey's Anatomy and Gilmore Girls, like, and large cups of coffee. You're going you're to gonna want to book with someone you've bonded with. However, small or however large that connection has been, that may be the one thing that tips you over the edge. And that's, that's the person that, that means that that person's going to book with you. But let's, let's talk about damaged control because I know this freaks a lot of newbie wedding planners out. And I'm still afraid that this eventually may happen. How can wedding planners handle a bad review or an incompatible client without damaging their brand or impacting their pricing?
3: Mm. Right. (laughs) Love it. So let's start with the bad review. First and foremost, number one, you need to make sure that you are getting reviews because when that one bad review comes in, someone is going to look at that. And if you have some, a bunch of other really great reviews, they're going to look at that and they're going to say, Hmm, something was wrong with this client. Yes. The the concept of bridezilla's brides know about bridezilla's, you know, their friend might've been one, their cousin, they know that there are other there's psycho people out there. And so (laughs) if if they see a stream of like really good reviews and then here's a bad review, they're going to say something is off about this. And then the next thing you need to do is reply to that bad review, mm. reply to it and don't reply right away. And I'm just speaking from, bad ex- or from um, experience. I had a bad review. I have a bad review. And uh, the person was, com- you know, completely psycho. And I, it took me a second because I was angry because mm-hmm. it was like, It was like I knew I should have kicked this client to the curb. Why didn't I do it? And um, and so I was upset. And it took me a second, but I replied. And the key is to reply with grace. The key is to reply, you know, apologizing for the, you know, their experience. That's not, you know, how you do. You know, you're gonna take this experience as a learning lesson and you know move forward with it. Whatever, whatever. Just reply with grace. Reply, and that also helps the client know that you care that there was a bad review there in the first place. And that's, I think that that is pretty meaningful. So that's how you handle a bad review. You know, if you feel like what was in that review, um, if you feel like it, you can contact that person as well and have a conversation because maybe there was a misunderstanding, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe something was misunderstood. Maybe, um, you, you just, you never know. And so if, if there is an opportunity to contact that person, I would say do so because once you talk it out, they could very well remove the bad review. The other thing that I want people to know is that a bad review is not the end of your business and it's not the kiss of death. I have seen so many people come back from so many, like the worst of the worst reviews. Mm. It is, it does not define you. It does not define you at all you just look at it, you know, think about that experience, take from it what you can and move forward to better yourself. Um, The other thing that you asked was about firing clients or I'm sorry, incompatible clients. Right. First of all, you know, when you're having challenges with a client, communication is still always key. Have a conversation, say, Hey, um, I know that you're you know, whatever their issue is, you know, I really want to talk to you. Th- this process is starting to feel a little uncomfortable, and I just want to talk about, you know, talk things through, talk share with them what your challenges are, whether it is that they are being too needy or whatever, you know, just just kind of talk it through with them first and foremost. Have that conversation. If they are just out of their rocker, insane unreasonable, whatever. Number one, you need to make sure that you have an out in your contract. First and foremost, please, please, yes. please. Out in your contract. That's kind of one of the reasons why I have my clients on payment plans, because they're paying me for the work that I'm doing as we're going through the process. And in the event that they feel that we are no longer compatible, or I feel that we're no longer compatible, they can't ask me for any money back because it's for, it's for I've been doing work along the way. Um, but you need to have an out in your contract and don't af- be afraid to use the out because the mo like when your gut tells you that you need to kick a client to the curb, you need to kick a client to the curb or else there's going to be worse things that are going to happen. Yes. You know, you're going to get a bad review. You could very well lose money. Like you could get sued, like there's so many things, you know, and, and just because they sue you or get a letter written to you from an attorney, like whether it's valid or not, you're still going to waste energy and your own lawyer fees to have to respond to all of that and deal with all of that, whether it comes out on the positive for you or not. So it's just best that when something's not working out with a client and you've given it your all to let them go. Another thing would be to take a step back in your business and develop a plan. And what I mean is like, maybe like there's a three-step plan. Like if there's something that's happening that you don't, you know, that, that is just not meshing well with you, you know, maybe the first step would be to, you know, write a letter to them or, or, or indicate it in writing or something. Then the second step is maybe having a verbal conversation with them. Then the third strike, they're out, you know? And if you could, and also, I don't think that there's anything wrong with communicating that to them as well. And it can be done in a way to where it benefits the both of you. Maybe that's how they feel. Like maybe they write you and they tell you how they feel. Maybe they, you know, have a phone com- conversation with you about issues that they're having. And then at the third point, then I mean, like, let's face it, we can get fired too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's what I would say. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see why. I mean, we are our own companies. We are our own HRs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing wrong with, uh, developing a plan for that.
0: No, I totally agree. And I think that like, no one's going to come in and save you from a bad client. Like no one's, there is no person to go talk to and be like, um, I don't want to deal with them anymore. You are the person that's, that's part of the entrepreneurial journey, but I don't know about you, but I like, I got better at spotting the red flags a lot sooner and changing my language of, we're looking for fun, loving couples, easy, laid back, you know, really speaking into existence what we wanted. Because if I got someone who was super high, strung and type A, they'd stress me out where they like nitpick and micromanage what I'm doing. I'm like, I know it's not an effective pairing for me to be with somebody like that. So I changed the way that I would put messaging out there and I learned to spot the red flags a lot sooner. So if I'm in the first initial meet and greet phone call, that's what we call them. And I'm already seeing like an orange flag oh no, I might, I think I'm booked. Like just, I don't even want to get myself into the situation where I might have to fire the client. I just get, I've gotten better,
3: not great, but still better at going, ah, I don't know. I don't know if you're for me, you know? Right. And I agree with you, you know, as, as, as we go along in this business and as as we deal with each client, I almost feel like every client, we can pull something away and say, okay, this was this warning sign for this you know, this thing that they did that I didn't like, and you have to gather this information. So you're right. So that way, when you are in the pre-qualifying phase and you're evaluating whether or not you want to work with them, you can determine like, mm, there's too many red flags. I Like you said, I'm booked or either, you know what? I don't think I'm the best fit. Here's a couple of referrals for you.
2: I think if you have that inkling of it being a bad fit, and you're feeling like you might have you might have to fire a client, you probably do have to fire a client. I have never had it where I've had that feeling, and then I pushed through anyway, and it's worked out well. I, I've done that. <laughs> I've been like, Oh, I'm sure I'm just being paranoid and move forward. And then like two months later, I'm like, this was terrible. I should have listened to myself. And, yeah. and so I think that's something people have to pay attention to. Cause sometimes when you're just getting your business going, you're really, you know, hungry for the work and you're like, I'm willing to take this abuse. I'm willing to do it. And then you get a few months down the line you're like, no, 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 yeah.
3: mind. And, and, and I will say, you know, I had a client uh, that was getting married at this venue that I had never worked out of before. In my market, I'd never worked out of this venue. I'd always wanted to work out of this venue. Um, it kind of means a lot to have worked out of this venue. And this client, oh my God, the worst. No. She was the biggest brat. Oh my God. No. I, I, uh, she got her her fiance to fuss at me she got her mom to fuss at me oh but when I talked on the phone with her she was hunky-dory everything was fine but then the husband the fiance would come and the mom would come and I'm like I don't deserve this I was I remember I was so angry after the groom just completely fussed me out and it was not even really over anything valid like it was It was like things like, I don't feel like she likes me because she hasn't posted a picture of us on her Instagram. What? Like when I tell you, like, like it was insane and I had to weigh out, I had to weigh things out, Yeah, you know? And I was like, you know what? I really like, first of all, they're spending a really good amount of money. I've designed a beautiful wedding. It's in this venue that I really want to get in. I'm riding this thing out. I'm riding it out. If I get a bad review, that's fine. Whatever. I'm riding it out. I've got, you know, I'll have the I'll have the pictures. I'll have, you know, an in at the venue. I'm riding it out. And do you know on wedding day when we did room reveal, they came in and when they saw the room, they came in and they cried mm. and they apologized to me Aww. for treating me the way that they did and 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 just Underestimating me and just telling me how great and amazing that I was and all of that kind of stuff, and it made it so much better. Like that was, you know, I was ready to ride it out and get the bad review, but then, but then they they made it better. So I, I think the moral of the story with all of that as well is, is that no matter what kind of situation that you find yourself in, remain graceful and 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 maintain your level of services and standards. And, and don't ever tip down to where they are.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to ride it out, you've got to deliver your services the best you can. And it sounds like you really put the work in to do it there. Yeah. I mean, which isn't a surprise. You've had an exceptional career. So of course you're doing an amazing job for everyone. Um, Thank you. Looking back at your journey, do you have any specific eras of being an entrepreneur that kind of stand out as your favorite? Like maybe getting, getting the work at the beginning and just hustling really hard, or maybe this era you're in now where it's a little more, you know, luxurious and you're doing some big things out there all
3: over the U S. So I'm going to say this, you know, I think one of the errors that we all may make as creatives is not being on top of the business aspect Mm. of it and even more so the financial business aspect of it. I would say that my biggest mistake is not having a proper accountant and having someone to do my taxes properly. And Uncle Sam is somebody you don't want to um, get in the ring with. And um, and we make money, you know. Um, we make money. We are legal businesses. Um, everyone should be a legal business. That means that we have to pay Uncle Sam. That is never going to go away. You can file for bankruptcy. You could skip the country. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to pay it. And so as an early business person, I just encourage everyone to really, really, really have a bomb accountant who can handle their taxes on their end. Because having to pay back taxes and things of that nature, because you didn't handle it properly, or you didn't have a good person in place, That's, that's the worst. That is absolutely the worst.
0: Yeah. Heather Heather can attest to this. I live in constant fear that the IRS is going to come arrest me. I don't even know if they have that power, that jurisdiction, but I'm scared of taxes. It it cripples me. I know I don't want to look at, I don't want to talk about it. No, thank you. So yeah, I completely agree. I'm like, I'm just going to pay a professional. I don't even care. I don't know why this causes me so much panic,
3: but someone says the word taxes, instant sweat breaks out of my body. I just can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's what I would say. I mean, I just, I think new people really just focus on, okay, let me learn how to plan a wedding and let me learn how to design a wedding and coordinate a wedding and make a timeline. All of that. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But you know, do you also know how to? um Promote, you know, and market your business? Do you know, you know, what, what are you going to do with the money that you do make? You know, we don't have 401ks. We don't have health insurance. You know, if, if you're, if you're single, you don't have those things. Um, and sometimes if you're married, you don't, you don't have yeah. those things. depending. And so you really, I, I just want people to really understand and look at themselves as a business as money is coming in. Don't, you know, just skip, the country and go to Cancun because you've made, you know, you booked a new client, invest that money, you know, yeah. <laughs> invest it and do with it what it properly needs to be done with. Yeah.
0: I, that's, I, that's hard because so many of us getting started, it's like, Ooh, plan weddings. But it's like you, there, you do need to have that dose of reality of, and also plan a business because right. it's more than just planning pretty weddings. I mean, being an entrepreneur, being a creative, there's a lot of hustle behind the scenes that sometimes I, I think I wasn't as ready for a lot of it when I got started. How about you, Heather?
2: I think I had the experience running my prior company, so I was more prepared on the hustle side. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes I'm a little too stiff in corporate when I'm dealing with couples and I wasn't so much tapped in on the emotional aspect of the wedding. I'm there. I'm like, I'm here to plan your event. I'm going to keep it on schedule. And I'm like, oh, right. This is a big day for you. Should, you're probably feeling things. I'm, I probably should tap into that. <laughs> Let me chill out a minute and like, let's connect as humans. And, and that for me was the struggle,
0: <laughs> which is weird. I'm like a robot. So, yeah. I don't think you're a robot. <laughs> you just get <laughs> stuff done and it's good. I you're do. You're fabulous at
2: what you do. I get tunnel vision. <laughs> but you know i think the the special thing about weddings is that emotional side and getting to be there for a moment that is so profound in someone's life and making it magical and beautiful for them but yeah the business on the background it's like the the little monster in the corner that doesn't go away it's like yeah you have to do the taxes you have to keep your books up you have to pay, you know,
3: things and the you know all the stuff <laughs> yeah and i mean i guess i guess it also depends on you know what why you've become a planner like if 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 you have a day job that covers all of that and you just want to do this to make money to go to Cancun then cool you know just make sure you pay your taxes and maybe use some of it to invest in the stock market and keep it moving but if you have decided that this is going to be your career your you know your sole income definitely make sure you have a 401k you know putting money aside in definitely make sure that you're paying your health insurance and, and all that kind of stuff and just make sure that you understand and, and look at this as a legitimate business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: it's the parts that aren't fun, but if you can do it successfully, especially setting up those habits and those patterns in the beginning, then you are setting yourself up for success in the long run. Cause I totally agree that some of that stuff is gross. It's not fun. And clearly like I worried that I will be arrested. It's going to, it's not, it's, I know it's a weird phobia, but someone I out there can know. relate.
3: It's not it's not a weird phobia. And I think it's a lot of people that feel that way too. I mean, the IRS and getting the A word, you know, the A word. I know the A word.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah. Wait, my, and Heather's like, I've been audited. What? Your last I've been audited. Been yeah. I've and they're audited. like, oh, don't even yeah. say it out loud. Cause if you say it, they might hear that. And if then say they're going three times. They
2: just show up at your
0: house and are like, show me your receipts. Yes. Yep. That yep. is what happens. <laughs> don't tell me otherwise. That is exactly what they are going to knock on my door and be like, Jamie Wolfer where are your receipts yep. and be like, I didn't save
2: them all. I
0: didn't. <laughs> and then they're going to handcuff me. That's how that story goes down. And you'll be in the big house. Yeah, and then I'll be, and then I can't plan weddings anymore. So take it from me guys, get your books in order. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll just, okay. anyone who's panicked right now from Jamie's statement, it doesn't go quite like that. And <laughs> even if you owe them a little bit of money, it's all good as long as it was not intentional. I mean, if you're I running know. a racket and like, hiding the money, they're not probably going to be very nice to you. But if it's like, oh, whoops, that one didn't get marked down here quite right. Or this deduction on my mileage, I shouldn't have taken this percentage, you know, like they're like, eh, you know, it happens. You're not a professional tax person. So it's okay. So, I mean, you're probably not going to end up in the cuffs. I'm just saying, I mean, like you could, if you're running a Ponzi scheme,
0: then I, I mean, have no help for I am, you. I'm not creative enough to run the Ponzi scheme.
3: Let's be <laughs> honest.
0: <laughs> I just not, not so much. Well, okay. So even though COVID has slowed things down, you've been keeping busy on an important passion project. Can you tell us about it?
3: Oh my gosh. Really? You know about that?
2: Yeah. I I I mean, I saw you over on Clubhouse and you've been doing all sorts of fantastic stuff there. So I wanted to, yeah, hear about all the stuff you've been doing to shake
3: things up in your region. So with the death of George Floyd, um I feel that the wedding industry as well as the United States had a sense of awakening as it pertained to this the injustice that has been happening. Um to people who look like me and I, and, and I be, I mean, it was very easy for me to step in the, in the, in the state, on the stage of being a crusader for diversity and inclusion um, and just have an opportunity to do some interviews uh, on local TV and, you know, do some speaking engagements and host, uh, you know, in my market, the main, you know, people were coming to me and saying, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And, The thing is, is, um, you know, I would say, well, be more inclusive, be more diverse. And they would say, well, we don't know. We don't know any Black caterers. We don't know any Black planners. We don't know this. We don't know that. So myself, as well as another um, planner of color, we got together, we created this event that highlighted I don't know. I think the first one was like 30 black businesses in this in in the RDU area, the Raleigh Durham area alone, of all different types, and we had over 700 people to tune in to that. Wow! To, you know, learn who everyone it was, and from that, an explosion happening happened of businesses being you know reached out to and venues reaching out to. Some of the people that were highlighted to add them to their preferred vendors lists and because all of the vendors lists were they just looked one way, you know, and 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 people trying to be more inclusive by, you know, doing style shoots with people of color. And that's the beginning. You know, that's like step one. And I'm so grateful that my market heard it and, you know, started to take steps forward and i'm looking forward to seeing how we how they'll continue the conversation to ensure that this continues so with that i think birth the national society of black wedding and event professionals which i sit on the board for and just like any other you know organization in the wedding industry you know this is about education this is about supporting its members. Um, and it's not, you know, something that to to exclude white people from because, you know, we have an allied council where we have some really amazing people on it. Uh, Trevor from Isle Planner is on it. Julie from Party Slate. Um, so many amazing people that are on it. So I love being a part of that and a part of that diversity and inclusion, uh, the sector for that. Uh, we have some things that are coming up here soon. We just, you know, the goal for us is just to keep the conversation going. So I just hope that, you know, from this point forward, things are thought through equally, whether it is LGBTQ, whether it is people of color, whether you are Asian or Black or Hispanic or whatever. You know, people get married in all shades and colors, and it's only of benefit to include everyone.
2: Only a benefit. Mm. Yeah.
3: Just more love and more joy
2: to share. And um definitely something that's a very worthy cause. And we're really amazed by all that you're doing for that. Um, I know in Clubhouse I've seen you speak a few times on there, and I was just so wowed by you, which is uh how I reached out to you. So thank you for all you're doing. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing that you're you're taking the lead on this and and it's something that you know we all need to be listening to. So I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So if people want to find you, if they're just so enamored with you in the same exact way that we are, and they're like, "Where
3: we got to follow this lady, where can they find you <laughs> on all of the interwebs? My website is www.elanawalker.com. That's like my main website. I have started a mentoring prog- uh, program, which I'm really excited about. And, um, and, you know, I'm, the reason why I'm so excited about that is because I developed something called the mentoring menu, where I broke down different topics that people may need a little help on versus, okay, let me buy into like, you know, a big, huge, you know, weekly course or something, which is totally cool. But there are some people out there that are like, you know what, I need to talk about pricing or I need to talk about work-life balance. Like Ilana, you're a yeah. single mom, you're a full-time entrepreneur. Like how are you doing it? And not dead, you know? That is a good question by the way. Yes. I don't know. i yes. like, wow, <laughs> I am
2: wowed by that.
3: <laughs> I think I am a zombie.
2: <laughs> you are a superhero for sure. That is incredible.
3: Thank you so much. So um, so yeah, the, I love the mentoring menu. And then I did do a, a one-on-one co- you know, some one-on-one options that are within there. So that website is www.elanawalkereducation.com. And of course on I'm I'm all over social media. Facebook, Elana Walker, um, Elana Lynette Walker is my personal. I love new friends. You're Reach so cute. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send me a friend request and inbox me and we can talk. And then, of course, I'm on, um, I'm on Instagram as well. Yeah, Ilana Walker events. Oh, fabulous. We are just so grateful
0: for your brain. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and sharing your experience with us. Um, and thank you even more for your vibrant and wonderful personality. You have been uh-huh. a real treat to have on here. And we are just so grateful that you took time out of your day to come chat with us cause you're so cool.
3: You've got all these cool things going on. And for some reason you chose to talk with us for like an hour. We are, we are very honored. I'm so honored too. So thank you guys so much for, for inviting me here. I I was so honored when I got the email and, um, and I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy to have talked to both of you all. You all are awesome.
0: You are so sweet. I think we're definitely gonna need a follow up episode because there is so much knowledge that you have to share with us. Especially that last question, I feel like we get to talk about that for a whole. new I would episode. love so to come if you like. Yeah. yeah, if you like us enough, maybe we'll have you back. How's that
3: sound? <laughs> no, I love you guys so. Please, I would love to come back and talk about uh, diversity and inclusion. I think it's an important topic, and yeah. I think the more that we continue to talk about it, the more um, it stays relevant, and and the change happens. So I would love to. Absolutely. All right. We're going to get that on the calendar. Please. Everyone listening, look forward to it. She's going
2: to be back. So there will be more to come.
1: You've just walked down the aisle of today's episode of the Union Podcast. Thank you for celebrating today's show with us. We hope that you found a little gem of wedding wisdom from this episode. Please let us know your feedback by sharing a screenshot of this episode on Instagram. Be sure to tag at Union Podcast so we can hear your voices. Let us know what topics you'd love to hear about on future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Until next time, stay lovely, wedding friends.